to our Daily Gun Show. Come be live every weeknight at midnight Eastern for this live discussion, and uh, soon it'll be complimentary to our noonday show. Uh, we uh, talk about guns for about an hour. We run the show on YouTube. We simulcast it over here on Gun Channels, where we're watching the live conversation from the people that join us live. When it's all over, we'll take the audio, and we post that up on iTunes, and we're heading to iHeartRadio. We send that out to the various podcast delivery systems out there. So anybody that wants to listen to it in audio form, we have over 600 and something episodes. Welcome to uh, check it out. And uh, what's going on my computer over here? But uh, we have some uh, hosts. we got Angelina jumping in from California. Thanks for joining us. Hello. got Dano jumping in from Illinois. Thanks for coming Thank you very much. And for those fellow preppers out there, just want to let you know that gold is down to twelve twelve per ounce and silver is at fifteen forty. All right. HBS has a chat on Mondays. And then we go go to Patriot jumping in from Michigan. Thanks for joining. Hey, thanks. Do you wanna give us the price of bonds or interest rates or anything? Nope. I'm just waiting because this is uh redonde. You know things that actually matter. But Red Dawn Day. And then we got uh, Snob jumping in from Oklahoma. Hello. Thanks for the invite. But, and I'm down here in Arizona. We've got links out there on the Gun Channel site. Some of the other people that jump in. And if you're interested in joining the discussion here, let us know in the comments and uh, join the forum. So uh, let's see. Today is Thursday. So we normally talk about training. And we do have uh, some stuff in the schedule today. I'll be bringing that up as I talk here. And, um, of course, every day we talk about a gun shop and other things. And eventually most things that open up here. It is Thursday, so we're going to be talking about your first gun. And I think we're going to do that left to right, depending on how many people show up. And uh, that will give the people that are listening, because there's some delay and some lag, depending on where you're listening to this, uh, so a chance to, if you want, type in your first gun out there. Uh, make and model or type really doesn't matter you'd be as uh, detailed as you want um, then we'll talk about training for shotgun sport so if that's not something that we're interested in as a group on the panel here we could potentially talk about training for shotgun defensively which i don't know if anybody's ever put any thought or effort into and then of course all our daily stuff before we do is there anything that we want to chat about what might have happened since the last show Um, I don't, I don't have anything. I never do. I'm useless. Precious metals are getting more tempting. <laughs> I saw Patriot got his video up. Oh, yeah, I did see that. That was cool. Thank you. That was all midnight. 
have you had a good I mean where have you posted all where have you posted it all? I saw it on Instagram. I posted it on YouTube, on Instagram, and four times on on uh, GunTube okay. by accident. What kind of reception have you been getting on it? Uh, pretty good. I mean, it seems like people are excited. I'm excited. I just need to rig up uh, like a tripod setup, but that's... I've already got a, a couple ideas that I'm going to be working on, so I'm excited. Is that your first video? Uh, first on this channel. I do have one other video that was kind of produced a couple years ago, but that was just a blind guy walking in Kalamazoo. That was a, a video I did for Leader Dog School, which I... And, and help, so help what... With. what uh, this is your first one. It's kind of a big deal on this on this channel. So, what uh, was the subject, and uh, how did it roll as far as your impressions? <laughs> it was pretty short. It was twenty seconds. It was just uh, basically saying that coming soon on gun channels, I have a channel that's the dark side, uh, and just basically that I shot uh, one of my revolvers at night, and so that portion of it is in there but it you know tips my hat at at uh, gun channels and that's about it i guess you'll have to watch it is it patriot in the dark or patriot yeah it's patriot in the dark is is my uh channel i guess here on youtube or whatever but on gun channels i, I go by patriot you probably see me around and then the the channel's still under construction. There isn't really anything on there. A couple documents or um, that I put on there. I'm looking right now over on YouTube, trying to, to so I can subscribe to your channel, and I put uh, Patriot in the Dark channel, and I don't see it. No, there's that could be. There's no channel. I think, and actually, my main main uh, account on YouTube is Patriot. And then my last name is in the dark one word. So oh, I think okay. that's because I've, I've had issues. I couldn't even find myself on there, but <laughs> that goes without <laughs> saying. At least I know I'm not alone in that. So it's Patriot and then all one word in the dark. Yes. And I'll pull up this search and, um, okay. Well, I'll, 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 you, I'll you can way. find the video because the title is, is coming soon. Uh, the dark side to gunchannels.com. So it's pretty. Well, once we get the, the channel names sorted out, and make sure you make that announcement because I'm sure there are people that are listening that would also like to subscribe. Well, what I've posted it on the main page of Gun Channel, so everyone that's watching should know already because they could find it on the, the daily feed there. But we do have listeners that are not necessarily Gun Channel members. That's what I'm trying to get to. Okay. Well, they can look at the live chat because I, I commented over there too, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I, it is kind of difficult. I don't, I don't know. I mean, for me to search out myself on there, I mean, I've got three or four, five accounts. So oh, Believe me, it wouldn't be any fun to listen to Dano search for it either. <sighs> uh. Ooh. <laughs> 
Who left the door open? Someone let the dogs out. Who? 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 Who let the door open? Who? 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 Well, All right. Uh, so. Bob from Canada now. All right. So let's get some organization to this chaos. So I've got a link out there to Patriots YouTube channel, and it's in uh, uh, both sides of our live show right now, and on the gun channel side. So it's archived in the. Uh, text chat and we'll put it in the description of the video as well you put it on the gun thank you side? yes hmm all right we don't need to listen to dan i'll try to figure out where that is either um no, so I'm, what I'm, I'm looking right at it and it's like okay why do i not see a link there i don't know <clears throat> so let me capture and we'll talk about it again. So when you go to gun channels and oh the other chat, no, you go to gun channels and you're down here. Then yes, this chat room that is on the page that you're used to looking at is you got to refresh that one to see that one. If you go down here, you don't have to refresh, and there's the link. Gotcha. All right, so it is Thursday. We could talk about topics we talked about a minute ago, but it's also tomorrow is Red Dawn Day, so I'd rather talk about that off show, but we'll talk about whatever you all want. And we've got a bunch of people joining us tonight. We've got Angelina, Dano, and Bob, so we've got a bunch of their original or hosts along the way for the different versions of the show, different formats of the show. We also got No jumping in. That's unique. We don't have No every night. And then uh, Z jumping in from New York. So appreciate everybody jumping in. Again, there are some other links out there for anybody who wants to jump in. Or if you want, uh, let us know. Um, you guys can start talking about stuff. I'm going to go dig into gun channels again. One of the things we started talking about yesterday was people's member numbers as we get into the fifth year anniversary. Hopefully people will start coming up with ideas, things we can do to commemorate it and have some fun with gun channels and uh, kind of get juices going. I've been uh, digging into remember, no, yeah, member numbers to uh, let people know, I don't know, where they started or what their member numbers are. So people have been having a little fun with that. So uh, I'm going to dig into that. And I don't know, what do we want to start with today? Shotguns? Point me in a direction and I'll fire off. Oh, God, no. The back door. Let's let's talk about uh, let's talk about uh, ooh, I don't know uh, how they're trying to outlaw handguns in Canada. That would be good. No, wait, we don't want to do that. Newest push because the terrorists shot up a restaurant. So they want to take handguns away from everyone in Canada, even though he got the handgun from his criminal drug dealer brother, and it wasn't legal in Canada. <laughs> You mean the law did not prevent someone from breaking the law? Yeah, go figure. So what what happened in Canada? Oh, oh come on, not, John, you got to pay attention. Some idiot went and shot up a restaurant full of people, mostly shot women, because he was mentally um, he had mental problems. Although his, I won't tell you what his you know name was and stuff because they didn't tell us for days and days. Um, but yeah, it turned out that he was of the, and ISIS claimed that it was inspired by them. And anyway, it turns out his brother's a big drug dealer in Toronto 
who's actually was involved with the biggest illegal uh, or the biggest bust of uh, chemical weapons in North America because he had this stuff like it's like fentanyl, but it's like a thousand times more powerful. And he had like a billion dollars worth in his basement. And they're just like, you know, the cops are going, oh, he's just a drug dealer. Oh, yeah. This drug dealer had hundreds of guns and everything. And yeah, he's in a coma. Apparently, he was experimenting with his drugs and put himself in a coma. <sighs> but so it the was the first thing he did when he woke up was go shoot up a restaurant. Oh, no. This was the younger brother went and shot up the restaurant. Yeah. Hmm. It's just it's just a big flamuffle. And yet the government and the press are all calling it. Oh, he had mental health problems, even though ISIS has claimed responsibility and he was actually in Afghanistan last year. And, you know, there's all these things that point to it being a terrorist attack, but the government just wants to go, no, 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 no. He just had mental health problems. It wasn't the religion of peace. Right. Let's blame it. Let's blame it on an excuse that they're not going to do anything about it anyway. I know, but it's just extremely disturbing that what they want to do then is outlaw all handguns in Canada. They well, they, me, they want to outlaw handguns, but like completely nice ban them. My question is, is, at what point either a religion or a philosophy does it become uh, mentally effective philosophy? Well... Yeah, and that's not even what I don't even care about that. That's just the government lying to us, the press lying to us. But their knee-jerk excuse is, let's ban handguns, even though none of the handguns being used because we've had a whole lot of handgun crime in in Toronto, right? Even though none of those crimes have been committed with a legally owned handgun, the handguns come across the border the same as the drugs do, right? They're not. I mean, they all have, you know, 15, 17 round magazines. You know, none of them are stopped at 10 rounds. And and yet, you know, what's the government want to do? They want to take handguns away from every law-abiding citizen in Canada because criminals in Toronto are getting illegal handguns and using have you, them. Have you tried banning murder? Yeah, apparently it's been illegal for a while. Huh. Doesn't wow. seem good. How about crazy people? Have you tried banning crazy people? He's here, so that's we we did that in the fifties, but apparently that's not legal anymore. We just used to lock them up and give them LSD. And that was them. sterilizing the mentally handicapped. Oh yeah, we did that too. Yeah, but we'd also give them LSD and and shock therapy. So you know, hey. Give and take. So shotguns. Still gonna go with banning crazy people. <laughs> Those shotguns. Do we want to talk uh, prepping for shotgun? Right now? Yeah. Oh, I love shotguns. They're the best. I mean it. We're talking specifically for sporting, right? Or sporting event? What would what, what is the is there a goal? However, we want to take it. Shotguns. Cool. Cool. Well, I'm I'm guessing you're not referring to re visiting restaurants anytime soon with Bob's story. 
Okay. What? You remember the story Bob just told us with the restaurant shooting? Didn't that happen in Texas one time? Guy took a shotgun into a restaurant. I mean, were we specifically talking about shotguns or just What's shooting? We're talking restaurants? about shotgun sports, so I don't know what you guys are trying to be funny about. <laughs> yeah, I don't get it. <laughs> no, shotgun sport is wonderful. It's uh it's a great way to keep your eye in. Um, it it. It's so um, empowering, encouraging, and just it, it feels so good to, to practice for a couple of weeks shooting skeet. And just the improvement comes so fast. Just the more you do it, the better you get at it. And it's just, yeah, it's, it's such a, I don't know, just a really encouraging thing to do to go shoot skeet and stuff like that. I think everybody should do it. Well, I, I thought in one of the... Uh ghosts most uh, pre-recorded videos he was showing his range and he was discussing how they use the skeet shooting area of his range three to four times a week so that's pretty busy that was a pretty cool video with the uh, uh, drone and everything yeah yeah hosh go nuts no. Getting ready for a shooting sport with a shotgun. Go. Okay, sorry, I was replying to Angelina's email. Um, okay, so shotgun sports. So my background is trap and skeet. That's what I played the most of. And there are you can certainly use one gun um, to play both, but as if it's like anything, you can start out you know cheaply and build up from there. And the sky's the limit. Shotguns are super expensive and literally as much as cars easily for a lot of really nice shotguns and they can be side-by-sides and over-unders over-unders are the predominantly um, seen uh, shotgun for trap and skeet although for american trap you can get by with just a single single barrel shotgun because it's just a single shot game for each um each cycle of the round i started with a remington 870 that came with a what was my barrel uh, like a 16 inch or 18 inch barrel and I went out and bought the replacement you know the longer barrel with the rib on the top I think it's a 27 inch and that's fine for American trap skeet a little bit harder because you're gonna have to shuck that thing um, get that round in and out of there that's a uh, kind of a skill you pick up also the stock on an 870 depending on which one you have is a little bit too thin a little bit too skinny to get a good cheek weld when you come up on it at least that's my um, experience and the guns themselves layout wise of the stock are different if you shoot trap it's going to be a bigger fatter um, stock with a higher comb and some of the skeet or sporting clays is going to have more of a slope to it again that's preference um, but that seems to be from my experience a lot of how people people go so you can start with that that's pretty easy you can get yourself a a Mossberg or a Remington 870 or something like that, and you can go to town. Or hell, the first uh, shotgun I ever shot trap with was an H&R. Single shot, 12 gauge when I was in Boy Scouts or Cub Scouts. Weevil. It was a Weevil though. Just one at a time then. One at a time. Just one shot. Everybody takes one shot, reload. 
one shot reload. So you yell pull, you get one shot to crack that thing. You can't use uh, two shots. That's American trap. There are variations of trap that allow you to shoot two rounds, and that would be international, which is a much harder game. The machine, the trap machine itself, is cranked up to fire that clay out way faster. Plus, it also um, raises and lowers as it goes from left to right. So it can come out real low to the ground and way far to the right or way far to the left, and those are really hard shots because they come flying out, and you need two rounds to hit that thing. A lot of times when you shoot that kind of game, um, you're going to have close to a full choke because um, you're going to need it when that bird gets out there. I still have my first trap gun, 30-inch 870TC, choked extra full. Oh man, God! That so when I used to shoot American Trap at 16 yards, the the most narrow a choke I used was modified, and improved modified in some cases. Um, you using an extra full 30 inch barrel, you that's like almost like that's a very tight pattern. If you get close to that bird, you're gonna you're gonna kill it, but you're not you're not going to get some of those lucky shots you got to be really on your game so if that's the first gun you use that's pretty that's a good way to learn because oh boy <laughs> you got to be accurate well i don't have to tell you the satisfaction of turning a clay into like nothing but a cloud of dust oh yeah if you if you if you were on that thing a full extra full 30 inch is gonna is gonna completely pulverize it well, it's the a other, cloud oh, Oof. the other the other thing too is it's very important for you to go out and shoot and learn how to mount the gun and learn what your preference is. Pattern your gun, um, especially like the most modern clay guns have adjustable ribs on them. You can adjust the point of impact, but know where your gun is pattern patterning and know what your preference is and your choke and your pattern's gonna affect that. Like, like Haas was saying, um, you're you're shooting international um especially if you're at like station five and you're pulling um hard right shots you're holding seven feet off the edge of the trap house in some of those yep. instances Great um point. and and that's all you know it, it's not just it's like skill level you can have your gun set up where it becomes um fairly easy for you to get proficient um you're gonna miss more shots of course but learn how your gun's patterning and then learn how to adjust that pattern to your particular style of shooting and that's the, the mistake i see most people make they just literally don't know where their pattern's going and it frustrates them so once that you learn where it's going and learn how you shoot then you adjust your pattern to your style so roosted so is asking what's the difference between trap and skeet Oh, I'll, I'll cover that really quickly, but I want to talk about patterning because that's a really good point. And a lot of um, ranges are set up. They've got special lanes to do patterning. So I'll talk about that in a second too. But okay, so trap. Trap is the game where you you the first station is 16 yards away from a pillbox, a kind of a cinder block square hut. And the trap machine is facing away from you and it has a conical shape of where it can throw that clay. And the machine is going back and forth, oscillating back and forth. And when you yell pull, wherever it's at, it fires off that bird. So you could get something that was just mentioned where the bird comes out far right and you're already on the right. So you've got to really bring your gun around 
um, to get it, which is tough. So that's trap. Um, single pull, one bird comes out, and it's the probably the most standard game people will play. Skeet is different. Skeet requires a lot more infrastructure. So Skeet is, um, it's got a, a half moon shape. In fact, I, I should probably pull up an image of it. I will do that. We had this chat uh, like years ago and I had a ton of pictures. I almost had like slides. So the half moon shape has different um, stages, kind of like um, trap, except with Skeet, everybody goes to this, works the same stage at a time. And so what you'll do is you'll get on the first stage, for example, and when you yell pull, the low house, is it the low house? No, it's the high house. The high house is the one behind you and it spits a skeet out and you come up and you pop it. When you yell pull again, you're gonna get one from the low house and it's gonna come towards you. So you're coming up and away from it. When you yell pull again, you're gonna get a bird from each. So four shots at stage one. So you're gonna go pull, bang, pull, bang, and then pull, bang, bang. So you need something, a lot of people use over-unders. Somebody mentioned on the YouTube side, a lot of people use semis. Semis are fine. Um, they use, it's, So you gotta have something that cycles quickly, two shots, a lot of people use over-unders because it's simply just a trigger click, right? Single trigger, boom, boom. Um, that's that's skeet and it moves around. The toughest shots in skeet are generally the, the mid spot. A lot of people have trouble with the mid spot because it's the furthest away from the houses and they're crossing in front of you. And so you kind of have to pick up and you got to go right and then you got to go left or most people go left and right and instead of right to left usually when they play skeet or yeah when they play skeet so patterning um really quick to we can go back to skeet and trap if anybody has any questions but i want to mention this because it's really important a lot of different places will have a single lane setup usually off of the main area where they've got everything marked by yards and then they've got a big metal plate with a big bucket of like axle grease and a roller. And you take the axle grease and you roll on the metal and then you go to the yardage. So if you're doing American trap, 16 yards for the first station or the first the first game. And then you, you, you mount your gun, how you like it, get your sight line and you pull the trigger. And you'll see your pellets because they'll impact that grease and they'll leave a marking. And that's your pattern. So if you if you get really good at it, you know, and you're calm and you're still when you're shooting, you mount your eye, get it all lined up, pull the trigger, don't move, pull the trigger, and just look at the pattern. Is the pattern right above the, the very front, you know, part part of your sights? Is it higher than that? A lot of guys who shoot trap, they want the pattern like way above that front sight in a lot of cases. There's a guy I knew that just his his gun was set up to just have it way high. And they control that. There's a lot of ways to control that. You can adjust the sights, but a lot of people adjust the comb. Um, to give you either rise it or lower it to to change the angle that you have the gun. So patterning and consistency is probably one of the most important things that you need to learn if you want to be competitive and you want to improve your game. It's kind of like golf, like the way people go up to the ball, stand, line up their, you know, how they hold the club, all that stuff becomes a ritual that you do. It's very kind of, it's like a zen-like thing. You, you kind of get into this, state of zen where you're constantly oh i got my kid coming in with the ipad um so anyway i'll mute myself you guys can talk but yeah it's it's important to get consistency the same thing for me trap is is super zen um so along with the consistency thing other consistency is fit of your gun um you, if you want to get good at any kind of clays you're going to spend hours in front of a mirror mounting dismounting mounting dismounting 
um, to the point where where I was shooting competition summer and winter. I adjusted my length of pull and comb for the clothes that I was wearing. So you need that consistency in mounting um, in order for patterning your gun to come into play. And good pattern for beginners, probably 25-30% of your pattern below center line of your front bead and the rest of it above. Um, as you as you get a little faster, you'll raise that up some. But generally speaking, that's a good place to start. And then it just becomes a, a matter of consistency, being able to mount that gun and put that pattern um, where you need to put it. And then the third step with shotguns that's important is your motion, um, your stance, the way you pivot, how you pivot um, affects you, um, especially when you're talking about trap and skeet. So you need to learn how to swing the gun and learn follow through and learn to be able to do that without affecting your pattern. And again, that's one of those things you do in front of a mirror for hours and hours and hours. Um, and those are, those are, to me, are basically the big, the big three things that determine whether or not you got a bruised and battered shoulder and are frustrated or you can have the biggest smile that there is on your face because it's a super zen thing to me. Yeah, that's a, a good point, too, about the battered, bruised arm. If you've got things lined up and you got your gun set up correctly and, you're, and you, you get out there and pattern and get used to it, you seldom have a bruise. Your arm's not sore. Um, you can easily do four four different games, four rounds of whatever, and, and not have any problem. We go out there usually. Um, I'd go through anywhere between 100 and 250 rounds when when I went. Um, so, well, a standard all day. Yeah, a standard match for us in the leagues that I was in is 100 100 rounds. Every other weekend is your competition, and then your practice in the two weeks in between. So you're you're doing easily, you know, two three hundred rounds of twelve gauge a week. Okay, so I've got a question for you. My son is thirteen, and he is fixing to start trap shooting with the ag team in school. And we've, you know, and all I know about this is just we just went out in the pasture and just shot it just for fun. So what should he be doing to learn how better? Now, the best advice I can give him, because it's funny, I was the, the exact same age. Um, I was fortunate enough that the place where I shot trap, um, a man named K.O.E. was a member there and he became my coach before I even knew who he was. So go to let me let me make sure I spell it right for you. Okay. Well, you're looking it up. I'll mention quickly. Um, one of the best things you can do is, is get somebody on a gun, give them some pointers, not too many things that they have to remember, and then get them breaking a couple of clays and having them understand what they kind of did to get to the point that the clay broke. And then once they get that, see, because the problem is when people start missing and they're missing bad, they're not getting a break or a crack or anything on it. So they can't really figure out where they're pointing. The best thing you do is get somebody breaking clays, like really stand behind them and, and look and see what they're doing to get them breaking. And then once they start breaking, they can start working on adjusting things until they start kind of figuring it out. 
one of the things uh, Cycle uh, Cycle Camp mentions is foot placement. Yeah, it's funny. We had a guy who had what looked like the worst foot placement. His feet were basically side by side, just right next to each other, and he was like the best shot. So, but he'd been shooting forever. Get in a class. Just go take a class. Having somebody show you is probably the best thing you can do. That way, you're not picking up a lot of bad habits if you're kind of new to it and you haven't played or like you mentioned you wanted your son to play that's one of the best things you can do is probably go take a class well he's was, shot a lot and breaks a lot just you know out here in the pasture but i don't know all the rules and all that to, i mean i could look it up you know on which way everything goes and all that but the the link i put there from k's site if you go go through his his stuff is the best and simplest breakdowns for the basics and just how to be consistent and how to work it. And it's it's old information. I'm going back years and years and years. But it's definitely the the fundamentals, the baselines, the little things that make a, a huge difference. Okay. I'm going to throw the advice out there. First off, I'm going right, to throw the advice out there. Then I'll hit my take on trap and ski. But uh, for the advice... How old do you say he is again? He's 13. Yeah, every kid's different for sure. But I would say just, I mean, he's, he's going to be a natural. Kids, he said he was already able to do it. So he's already able to figure it out. So I would say just let him go and give him as much money for ammo as he needs or whatever. Make sure he can have fun with it because it's like any sport or any kind of skill, right? If somebody enjoys it, they're going to figure it out. Like I, I can't even imagine how cool it would be to be a kid nowadays getting an opportunity to learn something because... You know, everybody, if we went through the room and asked about how we all learn stuff, it's all different levels of coincidence or chance or, you know, real determination to figure something out. But now, if somebody's interested in something uh, or somebody sees some potential in them, you could take a video of the kid shooting, send that to like 17 experts and get, you know, immediate response. And maybe, you know, you just there's lots of more potential than there used to be. So I would say instead of giving them a bunch of stuff to worry about, just let them go shoot, see how he likes it. And don't give him any pressure and just let him, let him have fun. If he enjoys it, then there's all kinds of ways that we can help him with finding resources. Well, so yeah, I mean, far, every. Go ahead. No, no, I was just to say, every kid's different. So that's one way. Um, some kids are better with classes. You'll know your kid. Um, you just don't want them to pick up, a, pick up a bunch of bad habits that they're going to have to like unlearn. Just like golf. Like if you've got a bad swing, so we got to, you know, you can well, go like that for a way and then you got to stop. You, I guess what I'm saying is, would you tell somebody like, hey, let's go to a golf class. You're kind of interested in golf. Let's go to a golf class. So now they're out there thinking math and they're thinking placement and they're thinking this or that. Instead, just go play golf a couple of times. Now, if it seems like something interesting, I agree with you. Don't sure. get a bunch of bad habits by just being crazy because, again, you can learn stuff right off the bat. But go just have fun with it. I guess what I'm saying, just don't give them too much. You know, you don't want to have them like, trying to remember 1,600 things. Yep. Uh, as far as trap and skeet, I think the easiest way to explain it is, they're both played on a court where, or whatever you want to call it, like a, a playing field, or whatever you want to call that thing, where it's kind of like a clock. So you have stations, like the hours on a clock. And then uh, Trap shoots from the center where the, um, what do you call it, like where the, um, what should I say, the hands on a clock come from, you know, the center of the clock. And it the, the clays, the targets, shoot away from you. So let's say you're at like 6 o'clock or 5 o'clock or 4 o'clock. The clays are coming out of the center of the field and going away from you. And that's designed to mimic something, a bird that you might walk up on and it's going to fly away from you. Like, a, I don't know what, a dove or something that's on the ground, a pheasant. 
that you would walk up on and it's going to fly away from you. Um, you're going to startle it in the ground and it's going to go fly away from you. Your dog might get it. It's going to fly away from you. Um, unlike a duck or a dove or whatever, I guess you have this is more quail and, and pheasant, but unlike a dove or a duck, which might come in from a tree or up above you, and that's where skeet gets involved. So skeet, you're still on the six o'clock, four o'clock, five o'clock of a clock. It's just that now the, the targets are coming out from three o'clock and from nine o'clock on that clock. So they're not coming out from the center anymore. In fact, you're going to go stand in the center on one of the points. But now there's two birds coming out, either one at a time or together, which makes it super fun because you got moving targets coming from both directions. And when you're standing in that center of the clock, they're coming from both sides of you shooting out. And it's really fun. So anyway, that's going to mimic a duck flying overhead or a quail coming from a tree as you're walking down a path or something. So they come from hunting and they offer a different experience to the shooter. But they're both basically a, a game where you have a turn or a round of 25 shells, which correlates to the box of shells really well. You usually carry a box of shells and maybe two extras. And then it's a very slow pace. There's no physical exertion at all. It's it's the, one of the easiest games for someone who's got injuries or something or people with kids. So you got to monitor a bunch of people to get into because you're really able to be aware. And like you say, sometimes, most of the time, you're shooting one, well, you are shooting one person at a time all the time. So it's not like there's a lot of chaos and confusion like there can be at some of the other shooting events. Yeah, oh, and, and then the third form that we, we didn't mention, we can talk about simulations, probably the biggest is sporting clays. And sporting clays are basically stages that are set up um, in open land and woods and things like that. And you go to different stations and they mimic different hunting situations so you may have like a, a, a rabbit simulation and what they'll do is they'll shoot a couple of clays on edge skipping them along ground and you have to shoot them or there'll be a quail flush and you'll be at the stage and then suddenly just from like nowhere you know a dozen clays will fly up in the air and you have to shoot as many of them as you can and things like that but sporting clays is definitely a mixture of of the two and it's it's a thing in and of itself and and most people seem to enjoy that a lot because it's it's you know completely different it's out in the open it's kind of a combination of like you were saying golfing and shooting well so far i've just you know he has a bunch of his friends out and we just all just you know use the thrower and shoot it out and they just you know take turns shooting at it so we probably need to set up and actually set it up like the trap shoot will be now instead of just letting them willy-nilly. Yeah, it's kind of tough. I honestly don't, well, I don't know. I don't want to say that I know because I've never done it competitively or nothing, but I think you can learn just as much from somebody standing next to you winging it as trying to come up with an actual thing out in front of you that you can somehow shoot remotely because unless you're going to spend a lot of money, you're going to have to walk out there and load it and then walk back, pull walk back well, out there, load it, walk back, pull. Well, it's like it's like anything else. There's two parts to it. There's there's the the mechanical ability, your your ability to mount the gun, your ability to pattern the gun, your ability to 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 rotate it um and all that stuff, which you can practice in in different kinds of environments. But then like any other sport, um when it comes to the actual game of trap, then there's the strategy and how to game it. Um your style of shooting determines, like if, if you're standing on a position and the house is in front of you, um, divide it up into like five sections in your brain and number those sections. And 
your style of shooting determines where you're going to your starting position of that gun is going to be because you start with your gun mounted so where you hold and things like that now that becomes yes you you need to have a setup where you're shooting your first distance is 16 yards and you need to be able to duplicate the 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 fan of the field so not only are you practicing your mechanical skills but you can start to practice your strategy for the game okay well let me ask it this way then one more time one more question all right so he's on this ag team and whenever whenever they practice they're going to practice it you know just like it is but mm -hmm. is it harming him as in bad habits or anything for us just shooting it willy-nilly and just letting them just have fun shooting it out there in the pasture Can no, I ab absolutely not as as long as you're as long as you're practicing the things of like i said consistently consistently mounting the gun um and and whatever, not developing any bad habits, so to speak. But no, other other than that, yeah, if you have somebody, you're going to have a blast just having somebody throw clays around in your hand, and it helps your hand-eye coordination, it helps your movement, it helps everything else. Okay. The only thing I'll add, oh, sorry, go ahead. I know you want to say something. What? Are you saying ag team, like agricultural team or something? What does that mean? Well, you know, here in Oklahoma, we have uh, vocational ag as a course in middle school and high school, and they have like a state team that does this with school. So they'll go to competitions all over the state with the ag team. And ag team means what? Vocational agricultural agriculture. Education. And they're teaching shooting in this? Oh, yeah. And this is a public school? Yep. Welcome to small town rural Oklahoma. Damn. That's awesome. Hey, I grew up in the 70s in the Bronx, and we had a rimfire rifle team and a rifle range in the basement of Catholic school in the Bronx. Shit. That's cool. I would say as far as shooting like rogue or just random at home, I think you're going to if he hasn't been shooting since he could carry a shotgun, then he might be behind other people who have, right? If he hasn't been hunting every season, he's going to be behind just the familiarity with the firearm, the, you know, the intimate knowledge of how to deal with a malfunction. So although they don't happen often, you know, they can. And it's not so much like you have to worry about that too much unless you got like a double, but just, you know, knowing that your gun's in battery by feel. You know, not having to adjust, not having to worry about little things that can be the difference between a, like, um, you know, a perfect game and a 24, where this is one of those games where once you're good, it's a matter of if you ever make a mistake. And at that level, he's going to learn that stuff at school. He's got coaches, he's got the playing field. So I'd say go nuts, just having fun, learning the gun, learning the operation of it, getting real familiar with every part of it, then go to school and learn the, 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 high, the high points. I don't think you're going to get too many bad habits, in other words in the amount of time if he had grown up since he could carry a shotgun learning a bad habit the coach might have to break him from something but he's just i mean the only thing i can think of only kind of bad habit you might experience is like an odd angle like if your thrower is kind of coming out at an odd angle or or it's wider in the field that he goes to practice on than it is at home or the randomness right of of it moving back and forth that's just something i have to pick up but that sounds like adapting to the situation more than a bad the worst bad habit that you could pick up shooting at home like that would be if you chose nine millimeter. 
<laughs> and he's shot since he was old enough to shoot and always shot shotguns and stuff. So he probably already has plenty of bad habits anyways. He just uses those snake rounds, those nine millimeter snake rounds to shoot a uh, trap. Yeah, well, that's fun. You can shoot wood bees with them. All right, well, for the sake of moving the show along, it's been it can be a rogue format tonight, but uh, we do have a member of the day, so every day we try to feature one of the members over at Gun Channels. Are we already an hour? No, no, we started late because of Clover's chat. So if somebody can figure out when we started, let me know, and I'll try to keep it at an hour. But um, we like to feature a member every day. So uh, tonight it's uh, Big, Big Gunner 81. Uh, he's been a uh, member of Gun Channels now for a while. In fact, let's go see what his member number is. And then... Um, but he does a show on Tuesday. He's been doing that consistently for a while. He has the uh, 50 States AR project. I don't know how far he is into that, but that's an ambitious project where he's trying to create 51 or 50, I guess, ARs that are made up of parts that come, you know, represent the state or whatever. So uh, that's a neat project and a way to uh, get out there and, and work with lots of different manufacturers and stuff. It's gone to SHOT Show. And uh, I think what's cool about Rick is he hasn't, um, isn't, any crazy ideas of being the next Hickok or anything. He's just doing it for the fun of it and having fun, uh, you know, creating the videos, networking, uh, experience being part of the, of the community, again, without any lofty goals, I don't think. And uh, he seems to really be enjoying it and sharing his uh, his adventures. He does a lot of 3D printing now, so that part's uh, pretty cool as well. And there we go. He's member 1611, so he's been around since 2015. I believe he's been doing the show pretty much since then. He came on to Gun Channels in order to do the show. So hopefully we've encouraged him along the way to keep going with it. I know he's had issues here and there. But uh, anyway, good guy. Good representation of what we built Gun Channels for. I'll snap for 44 minutes in. All right, so we lost Bob. hope nothing's wrong. He said he heard a noise, and then he signed out of here. Yeah, he said he was having sound problems, so he's probably trying to reset I posted your number earlier in the Gun Channels chat. You're 4163, John. 4163. I don't have the dates in front of me. Sweet. All right. So, like I, I say, heard some of the numbers were mentioned the other day. People what? already up to five and 6,000. So, I'm pretty down there. Yeah. We've had 7,500 members altogether. There's something like 6,000 members still on the books. When somebody leaves, they their number gets deleted, I guess. So, um, there's 6,000 6, something in the books. And yeah. Um, I'm doing it now since 2013. That's what I was talking about. So um, if anybody has ideas of what to do for the fifth anniversary, let us know and uh, uh, be part of that. We can keep the, uh, in the community growing with uh, some intent and uh, fostering Second Amendment projects out there. Uh, I'll throw something in after the show's done. Why, Why not talk about it live? So that's the whole point of this. Is. I want to be a surprise. All right. So um, with that, we can talk about something else. Where am I, where am I at here? Today's Thursday. It's supposed to be Night Strike, damn it. So we gave Big Gunner a shout out there. Now let's talk about Night Strike. He is our actual member of the day, now that I'm looking at my schedule correctly. So uh, Night Strike, he's not in here because he's sleeping or gallivanting around, probably. But uh, obviously, he's been a member for a while and uh, active in the chats, both live and in the text. Does his own show with the, I don't even want to say it because you're all brainwashed. He's successfully brainwashed you all with his uh, tagline. 
and uh, I guess he has a pretty interesting show. Um, I don't really watch that show on the regular, but I know they've been doing it for a while. And uh, of course, he's created GunTube, so takes his skills and his abilities and is trying to create something uh, for the community in a little bit different way than some of the other video hosting platforms have done it. And uh, that's what it's all about, having a bunch of people contributing to you know, this, this uh, whatever we got going here. All right, nobody wants to say nothing about Night Strike? Fine. Shall not be infringed. There you go. So uh, your first gun, Angelina, what does your first gun mean to you? What does it mean to me, or what was it? I don't know. What does it mean to you? Uh, my first gun that I, like, purchased with my own money was a Gen 3 Glock 19. Okay. And it meant to me, uh, I don't know. I mean, I was, uh, I was living alone in Los Angeles and, uh, I don't know. It was nice to have because fools be sketchy, yo. Valid. Uh, no. Was your first? Uh, gun? It wasn't. It wasn't actually my first gun, but it was my first gun. Was the 870 that I just said I started shooting trap with. Um, my uncles built that for me when I was 13, and it's got a custom tiger stripe maple wood set adjustable comb length of pull and action and trigger and everything and i have kept that gun pristine and i i've been through four triggers in it like worn triggers out I, I couldn't tell you how many rounds have been through that gun but i still have it and that's that's like my first gun right on Ash. First gun I purchased was a Remington 870. We had a crackhead that was living next to us, so it was like a self-protection kind of thing. But my first gun was a uh, Marlin Papoose, the Breakdown 22. And that's just a fun, super fun little gun. I still have that thing. I love that thing. Somebody gave that to you then? Yeah, that was given to me. Right on. And uh, what a uh, floating case instead of a stupid fo floating stock, which allowed the gun to be normal proportions instead of a goofy one like an AR-7. So I like that gun. You still got the case for it? Uh, what was that? I got the case for it. The Papoose? Yeah. Yeah, the, uh, I have the old the Woodstock one with the red floating bag. Dano, what's your first gun mean to you? Uh, that I purchased? I'm just asking the question. Y'all are interpreting it your way. Okay, I'll, I'll go with it. I purchased, and that was the Smith & Wesson 686. Do you want it? I don't know. What, is not, what else would you like to be like? It was a 357 Magnum. Uh, the question was, what does your first gun mean to you? What does it mean to me? Um, it was uh, after uh, I was living in my own an apartment on first floor level, and I had a group of, uh, I couldn't tell exactly, four or five 
uh, drunk males come up and start pounding on my front door in the middle of the night, yelling and screaming for some guy whose name I never heard of uh, and how they were going to beat the fuck out of this some guy. What was it? I was not. What so, was um, the name? What was the name? I, I, I don't remember. I mean, this is like 1986, 85. Probably some guy named Toby. But uh, I, I lived in a, uh, and this is not a, a slant on anybody, it's just a factual. I lived in a uh, all-Italian uh, town. Uh, when you went to my apartment building and you looked at all the mailboxes, the only non-obvious, non-Italian name was mine. And uh, it was the working level of a certain subculture that tended to um, run things. Like a certain subculture that like tends to hold a grudge and doesn't like to have our ethnicity smeared, that kind? Yeah, that kind. Okay. Just wanted to be clear. You better watch your mouth, Dana. And I did. I did. Right on. Patriot, what does your first gun mean to you? Okay, well, it's not really my first gun, but it's the, the probably the most important gun. Um, was my 1911. I've kind of mentioned that story as far as, you know, going blind and wanting something that I could you know, focus on, take apart, put together, just kind of, I don't know, have something to do um and kind of the the journey of finding finding the one i wanted and getting it and and you know everything else has been downhill from there you know all i do is shoot and buy guns now but um yeah that's probably one of the most important ones i mean my first gun was a marlin 22 it had a oak leaf and some nuts carved on the side of it or something squirrel I don't remember, but yeah, but yes, my, my 1911, um, is probably, I don't know. It means the most to me, I guess now. And it is a Springfield armory, uh, mill or the, um, uh, I don't know what I'm saying. The military, you know, style. So it's just, uh, park rise and stuff but it means a lot to me just because you know it's kind of got me past that uh, uh losing the sight and put me into this new new realm of hanging out with a bunch of people that like what i do so well thanks for sharing that one uh snob what's your first gun media uh my first gun was a little daisy 22 long rifle Little octagon barrel ten shot, and all I remember is I wanted a ten twenty two so bad, and my dad refused to buy me a semi automatic. I had to get a bolt action, and I carried that gun through the creeks and everything for years. How old? I was eight whenever I got it. Right on. So, like eight Christmas or something, birthday, and then the next day you're out in the woods with your twenty two. Pretty much. Right on. Were you supervised? Mm, probably not. Probably for a day or two. Did you shoot your eye out? No, but I'm pretty sure I shot a lot of animals that were, you know, endangered species. Did you learn responsibility and consequences? 
Um, yeah, I got in a lot of trouble when I shot a Metalark one time. Yep. John? Thirst for blood. My, uh, my first gun experience was my um, Smith & Wesson number 10 that was department issued. And I got to say, that was the coolest thing in the world. And at the time, I never even thought about going out and getting a semi-automatic because that revolver was just the bomb. And I uh, look forward to possibly having one if I could afford it once I'm able to have access to it through the, my constitutional rights. Not from paying somebody a crap load of money to tell me if it's okay if I can or not. So one of these days. Right on. Well, I've got, I'm going to say three first guns. So when I was born, my, well, when my parents got married, my dad bought my mom a gun, a 22 single shot lever action. And I don't think she cared that much about it. So when I was born, it was officially given to me. So, I mean, obviously it didn't matter, but I just don't know what it's like to not own a gun. Whenever I first experienced anything, I knew that was my gun. And then I got others after that. So that meant a lot because, like I say, I've had a different life, I think, than some people because I don't know what it's like to not own a gun. I mean, theoretically, since ever. My second gun, I joined the Army when I was 16 in school. So I had my second gun, first gun given to me from my uncle. And that was an experience because I couldn't even go out and buy my own yet at that point. So my third gun would be my gun that I got to buy the first time. And that was the one and only gun I had to buy with a fucking waiting period. So I can remember it was an 870 shotgun. I can remember and I didn't buy it for any uh, paranoid reason or any self-defense. I wanted to go out and shoot skeet trap stuff that was fun uh maybe hunting with it or something but 870 was the obvious choice this was in the 80s and uh like i say i had to uh, of course i knew my birthday was coming i was going to be able to buy it i did it without anybody's awareness let's say it was my first uh act as a man you know to do something on my own and uh you know researched it uh saved up for it went to the store and got everything i could possibly do to get ready for it uh paid for it but my uh you know there was already a wait a minute was there a 4473? It must have been. So I did my 4473, and then I fucking waited 10 days for a shotgun. Uh, I moved out of that fucking state, and I'm never going to deal with that again. So my three first guns were pivotal for me. And anyway, I think this was great. Thanks, everybody, for sharing that. The one thing that I'm uh, super like surprised about and very happy to hear is that some people over 20 30 years still have that first gun and that's just an awesome thing to know that's going to be passed down to their kids and grandkids i sold my first gun all three of them well i never had the second one but i've sold the other two all right you aside <laughs> my dad's house got broken into when we were in high school so mine got stolen Okay, you don't count either. Gun back. <laughs> what? It was mine, so said the paperwork, but only as long as I had that position. As long as you, yeah, as long as you were deemed necessary to have it. And 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 what made it so unique was what it was versus it was literally the first firearm I ever shot, let alone repeatedly. That was an M16. Neat. 
All right, well, so that was our first guns and what they meant to us story. Um, gun shop of the day. Correct one here. Okay, what is it? The armory. No, that was... Oh, because I screwed up the other day. Can we just have one on Instagram? Here got a gun shop of the day? No. Did you ask me? What? No, I don't have anything. No, I thought I saw one on Instagram and I was going to default to that, but then I asked the room and nobody, I guess, has a gun shop to talk about today. I got one that I purchased uh, my my new Ruger SP-101 at two days ago. Let's do that. It, it's uh, Williams Gunsight Company. It's in Davison, Michigan. They've just recently, within the last year, uh, expanded. They've got an indoor range now. Um, couldn't tell you how many lanes. Um, I only see one at a time. Um, but they have outdoor range skeet. And I don't know. I know we just had this conversation, but skeet or trap. I don't know which one. I know it used to have a really tall building. So I don't know if that was behind, if it was skeet or what. But I know they have those sections, uh, rifle and pistol outdoor, but it's, uh, pretty large. I don't... Looks like it's eight lanes. This okay. picture is all their indoor range. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's new. They rent, uh, firearms too for the range. Um, and they do have a in-store gunsmith. Looks like they have an outdoor, 100-yard outdoor range with 24 um, stations, a 30-yard rifle range with 12. They have 12 handgun shooting stations outside from 5 to 25 yards. And some of those have steel targets. And then they've got a shotgun patterning station now, so it looks like they might not have the... They might oh, okay. Have they might, that might be where the building's sitting now. <laughs> Is it... It was one of my first shops I ever went to when I was, you know, in elementary school. Um, so, but they do gun sights and scopes, uh, fire sights, I believe they call them. I know they have, I haven't really checked into them lately, but. Yeah, it has fire sights on here. So I'm looking at a picture of their, like, display, I guess. They got slat wall, horizontal slat wall with pegs, but then they've just got the handguns hanging by their trigger guards, so their slides are down, you know, they're, they're like Vs. So that looks weird to me. What do you guys think? Just looks odd to me. I've been to a lot of gun shops and I can tell you. I like the TJ Maxx uh, security tags they got on all of them. That cracks me up. Yeah. <laughs> odd too. Yeah. I mean, I'm well, assuming you can't just you go up gun? and grab it off the rack. So no. an employee's got to hand it to you. How are you gonna walk away with it? They could just as easily put it up there like this one, where it's behind there, so it's not distracting and in the way and whatever. But so um, 
that's interesting. So from every gun store I've ever been to, the handguns are all displayed in the glass case that's between you and the and the shop worker. And then the they, rifles are on the back wall. I don't know how they have it set up now. I know most of the time they go to the, the cases. I guess I, I'm assuming. I don't know how they do it. <laughs> I never watched them. <laughs> I can hear them. I, I hear where they go. They walk off, you know, you kind of get your spot and then they'll they'll run off and pick up a few and they have a lot of used stuff too which i don't know if those ones that are hanging up i believe they have a a red tag possibly for their rentals um for the you know for the indoor range or whatever um that's a good question because i know they have a lot you know a large use selection it is not a small store holy moly i'm not aware of the scale of it that thing's huge. Um, okay. They have oh. enough here to have. This is 2,000, 4,000 guns, maybe on this wall. Uh, thousands of guns on this wall alone. So they have enough to have the entire line in the case and on the freaking. That's a lot. Yeah, of I see that. They've got a full handgun case and then a back wall full of handguns. All their all their boring stuff is behind them and all their cool stuff's in the glass case. You know what? They, they got so much real estate. They did this to fill space. This was done so that it doesn't look empty. That's what I, I I know they've pretty much doubled the size of the building because the the old way it was you had to there was like you'd walk along and then you'd go up steps and there would be like a not like a total you know second floor or something it was just like a split level or whatever um, and I believe that's where they have their uh, more of the rifles on that end now dude because I think they separate them. The only trick they used in making that place not look empty is filling it with guns. Yeah. I just want to say that's that's pretty awesome because apparently that store has been around for a really long time. And I've seen quite a few gun shops that were not only gun shops, but grocery stores and baby uh, stores that still do exist. But they've remained those small little stores. So I find this kind of store pretty fascinating with the way they've improved it over such a long period of time. So that's really cool. And look at that ceiling. It's all clean and nice. Like It is a, a, a new section of building, possibly. Because I know that they, they've, they were working for a long time on it and then, you know, just added the indoor range and all that stuff. Very nice. Um, huge, huge store. It's huge. Right on. Well, that's a cool shop. So that's, uh, where is it at? Michigan? Yes, Davison, Michigan, just outside of Flint. So it's, it's the biggest shop probably in the area. Cool. Well, that's one of our goals to talk about a new gun shop every single day. That's why we do the show on a daily basis. Another thing I like to talk about is history. So we've got a couple of cool things going on today, or tomorrow matters more. But today is um, the today's Thursday, so I think today is the or no, the, yesterday was the beginning of the Buffalo Bill 25th anniversary shoot. There's something else today, I think. Um, no, that's it. So then, uh, today's the ninth. Yeah, today's the ninth. It's Melvin Johnson. So. Yeah, today uh, Melvin Johnson was born. So, anybody familiar with that Johnson gun? The one used in the reserves? 
Marine Corps Reserves? I think it was the Marines who are the only ones that actually took it, right? I believe so. I'm not very. I've never seen one. I'm gonna go dig in and use the card as my notes here. So that would be Spades because he's one of the U.S. ones, and get down into here and find him. So Johnson was. Um, what do we say? He was born today, or he died today? Looks like he uh, born today. Oh shit! I have August in there. Yeah, I gotta update my card. Hopefully, I got. Oh, shit, I still have to update that card. Anyway, he was a Marine Corps officer in 1933. Uh, came up with the Johnson rifle, which I think was to compete with the Grand, right? Uh, so he came up with that. He also had a couple of versions of it. One of them was called the Johnson Light Machine Gun. So it's basically an upscale version on a bipod type of thing, the same gun. Uh, so he eventually was transferred, promoted to colonel of the uh, Army Ordnance Corps Reserve. And I guess he worked at Winchester for a bit at that point with Carbine Williams. So, uh, you know, kind of neat to see that some of these people in various eras had been at least aware of each other, if not working together. Uh, then became a weapons consultant for the U.S. Secretary of Defense. And, you know, it's a very brief summary of everything he's been doing. But then he worked at Armalite working on promoting the AR-10. So not so much developing it, but just as like, a, what would you say, like an expert in the field uh, as a, you know, like a celebrity uh, representative or something, I guess. Uh, then he started Johnson Arms to, to build his own guns. And at that point, I think he developed the 22 Spitfire. I'm not an ammo guy. But that was something to kind of compete with the 5.56, the idea of going down from the 30 calibers, right? So uh, interesting dude and an interesting gun that because there's so few of them, I didn't concentrate on the guns on the cards. So I don't remember how many were made, but it's in the thousands. It's not very many, I don't think. Uh, they're super expensive. I've only physically held one that I could fiddle with, except for seeing them in museums and on TV or something. Uh, very rare. So have you guys ever uh, shot or... Hold a Johnson. Angelina, hold a Johnson. No. Oh, here we go. <laughs> here we go. Oh. Uh, Fire. Only seen Johnsons from afar. You've never had the opportunity to hold on to one. No, I've. Uh, no, I've not. Uh, I've not held a Johnson. No. Okay. Anybody else? They've got this crazy mag. I think he just dropped the rounds in there. If Bob was here, he'd know. I think he just dropped the rounds in there, right? They sort of self, like, uh, organize themselves or something. Are you throw them in there backwards? Well, I think like coins in a coin box? Um, I don't know. You just kind of drop them in there and you close the door, and I think it just kind of shoves them into, like, a rotary mag type of situation. They organize themselves like they join the teamsters. I mean, yeah. you know. Well, I just mean you don't have to like load each one. You have to push a follower. You just kind of drop them in there and close the door, and it the act of closing the door pushes some kind of spring or something. I think, like I said, I've only had a chance to fiddle with one, and it was like thousands and thousands of dollars at the time. I think they're worth way more than that now. So it wasn't like I was just going to start fiddling with it. I just basically observed it. Anyway, so that's Johnson. He was born today, back in 1909, and. Uh, that's a piece of history. It's also tomorrow is more important importantly, well, not more importantly, but a different way, uh, Red Dawn Day. So yesterday, or tomorrow in 1984, uh, the movie Red Dawn comes out, uh, first PG-rated movie, and pretty cool. So we like that movie. I like that movie. So we use it as the uh, introduction to this show because uh, it's about a bunch of people who decided to act, and 
that particular scene is about them uh, dealing with the information and getting information. That's sort of what we're hopefully doing with this show and some of our efforts online. Um, hopefully that gave people who are interested some time to dig into the history. Actually, it's usually cycle camps. I don't know if any of y'all are digging into a history list anywhere. I'll drop Today, this. Oh, on the 9th in uh, 1945 was the day we dropped the bomb on Nagasaki. We were talking earlier about the difference between uh, uranium and plutonium. plutonium. And uh, yeah, so yeah, one of them was a plutonium bomb, the other was a uranium bomb. But they were both the bomb. If you guys have ever seen this link before, but you click on that. I know that it says 2015, but if you disregard that and just use it as a calendar and click on whatever date you're interested in, you'll get a wealth, just a ton of interesting uh, history going back to the olden, olden, olden days. And uh, it's almost all military or at least, you know, cool related stuff, sometimes some science. On this day in 1776, London learns of American independence. Hmm, it took them that long, fuckers. <laughs> 1790, the Columbia returned to Boston Harbor after a three-year voyage, becoming the first ship to carry the American flag around the world. On this day in 1978, three teenage girls die after their 1973 Ford Pinto is rammed from behind by a van and bursts into flames on an Indiana highway. The fatal crash was one of a series of Pinto accidents that caused a national scandal. Wasn't there a movie about that dude and that phenomenon, how he got rid of that car, basically? I don't remember any movie. No, that was that was the oh, yeah. um, the Corvair and the, Ralph Nader. The only movie yeah, with the made Pinto a was Cujo. Unsafe at any speed, right? I thought yes. I'm thinking of that, but that's not the Pinto. Then it's a different car. Yeah, it's the the uh, Chevy Corvair. That oh. was Ralph Nader's claim to fame. I saw something like an Amazon documentary about the Ralph Nader kind of situation, but you know, very mark, you know, way more modern, like just a couple of years ago. Hey, is anybody here from Missouri? Uh, Dan in, eight, in, 18, in 1861, the rebels defeat the Union force at the Battle of Wilson's Creek. The struggle for Missouri erupts with the Battle of Wilson's Creek, where a yeah. motley band of raw Confederates defeat a Union force in the southwestern section of the state. That's basically, from what I understand, when the Civil War touched Missouri, and it, it, was, it was like a powder keg, right? There was definitely division there, and that was the... Well, weren't there battles prior to 1860 in Missouri and Kansas? I don't, I'm not no expert. I don't have a time life book or nothing. But from what I remember from movies, uh, there was like tension. But I don't think there was. I think that was the spark, right? I mean, there was that John something guy or something John. The guy who went with the sword. Oh, I don't I know. I can know what you're talking about, but I can't remember his name. I'm going to say in 1892, Thomas Edison receives a patent for a two-way telegraph. Figures like Colin and Posh might like that one. Yeah. Have you thought about doing radio history as part of your thing? Um, I used it in my when I gave uh, the talk to the 
to the kids on the you know kind of what ra what amateur radio is all about. I, I did a brief thing on Marconi because Marconi was the first one to take a telegraph machine and, and do it wirelessly. Up up to that date, everything was wired telegraphs. 1921, Congress creates the Veterans Bureau to administer assistance to World War I veterans. It quickly dissolves into corruption and is ab abolished nine years later under a cloud of scandal. 1921 to 1930, the first VA. Speaking of scandals, in 1974, Richard Nixon became the first president of the United States to resign his office. They say first. <laughs> I guess it technically is the first they could say only. Uh, the Kansas Missouri thing was 1855 to 1861. So the reason it stops at 1861 is because that's when the Civil War started. Um, 1944. Well, I can cheat and tell you what it is. Oh, no, no. If you know, don't say. I'm trying to get <laughs> I'm it. not. So it has to do with the outdoors. Any, when I want to ask questions, try to narrow it down. Have some fun. Yeah. Wait, what is this? This is released? An item is released? Smokey the Bear. Thursday, 1944. Oh. Smokey says, okay. here, we'll be 10 for us. Smokey says, I will effing eat you if you start a fire. 1937, first ever electric guitar patent awarded to the Electro String Corporation. That's, that didn't really take off, but yeah. Now, 2018, longest daily gun show. <laughs> I think that was last night. Ironic. <laughs> and calling it the longest one. In 2014, Michael Brown was shot and killed by a Ferguson police officer in Missouri. There you go. All over selling a Lucy. What's a Lucy? A loose cigarette. Loose from a cigarette. No. Eleven Medal of Honors awarded today. All right. Well, since Dana wants us to get out of here, anybody else got anything else? We don't have cycle for a quote. I looked up a quote just because Cycle wasn't in here. That, and that is not just complaining, but con contributing to the, to the effort here. <laughs> From Jeff Cooper, remember the first rule of gunfighting, have a gun. Oh, you didn't give me enough time. You have to do a longer quote so I have time to get to my buttons here. I don't have a longer quote. All right. Well, that Jeff Cooper, Principles of Personal Defense, Excellent book. It's a relatively short read. It's uh, approximately 80 pages. And uh, uh, if you are into self-defense, shut the fuck up, John. Just because you don't have rights doesn't mean the rest of us don't. Uh, is worth your time. I agree. Hey, I want to thank everybody for joining us. We had a big chat in the middle of the night for a lot of you and uh, this was after Clover so a lot of people listen to all of those and this one we've got 24 people still in the middle of the night watching this one so thanks uh, tomorrow's going to be a fun day I'm going to try to do some Red Dawn stuff uh, so stay tuned if you're interested in that do we know if anyone's having a chat after this any kind of an open room that's available to anybody happening tonight 
Um, well, there's always an open room available to anybody uh, with knives, but I, I might do some kind of a lounge slash show after. I think I feel like now that Smeggy has abandoned not just the Second Amendment, but also gun channels, that the cave could be reclaimed, right? He doesn't get to keep a cave if he doesn't even use it, right? I guess, could it be the T-Rex cave now? All I'm saying, T-Rex can move in there and what's he going to do about it? Right. He's water right now anyways. It's chance that he's melting. Yeah, I mean, I saw something on Instagram. I don't know if it was Maggie, the ghost of Smeggy. I don't know, but... Oh, that's what I was going to show. He went to some gun shop, right? He went somewhere. Oh, yeah, he did. Oh, yeah, that was the one we was looking at last night on Instagram. I didn't think he even cared okay. about it. All right. Well, with that, I'm going to end it. And thanks again for everybody for watching and listening. If I was here, uh, tomorrow's going to, it might be a really interesting free patch Friday. Uh-oh. Bills have gone on websites.com. Encourage you to take a CCW class every year. Practice at least once a month and carry every day. Thanks for watching. Gone websites. Thank <laughs> you.